0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora Podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We have been in um, an incredible collection of conversations that we have called the Honor Roll. Um, We strongly believe in honor at this church because. Um, biblically speaking, honor is the currency of the kingdom. It's how you transact in and out of God's kingdom. When you deposit honor, you receive more honor. And all throughout the pages of our Bible, the Lord is steady, encouraging us and admonishing us. You know, that's a good church word admonish. We don't use it nowhere else outside of church. But the Lord is admonishing us <laughs> to walk, to live in the principle of honor, not just on Sunday mornings in the sanctuary, but wherever life takes us and all seasons and all scenarios, God wants us to walk in honor. And so in the first week, we focused on honoring him because that's the first place we should start. You can't honor anything or anyone else if you don't even know how to honor your creator. And then last week we talked about honor within his kingdom. And this week we're gonna kind of drill in a little bit further. We're gonna zoom the lens in just a bit. And we're gonna talk about how to honor his people, specifically the people were related to y'all uncomfortable already. And I ain't even gave one scripture. Today's message is called family value. <laughs> because before God created a church, he created a family. He refers to himself as God, the father, he refers to Jesus as his Son, he believes in family. He believes in it so much that he has given us valuable insights and instructions on how we're to move throughout the different areas of our families and to move throughout those areas with honor. Just yesterday, my wife and I, we were in Texas doing some work down there and um, we had to get on a flight uh to come back so that we can get back home in time to be here with you all this morning. I don't know if you know this, but Texas is hot. I mean stupid hot. I mean, I don't know how you cannot be saved in Texas. Cause if if hell is worse than this heat, you know they're gonna stay in church. But not not like like, like Texas is is, is hot just normally. But when we got there, the driver uh, that took us to our hotel said that it's hotter than normal in Texas. Now normal Texas hot is too hot. So it was record setting heat in Texas, for the little 48 hour 24 hours, we were there. Like perfect timing. Thank you, Jesus. So we did what we had to do and, and and we had to rush out of there to get to the airport in time to catch our plane to get back here. And I didn't have time to change. Would y'all like to know why? Because my wife abandoned me. <laughs> Would y'all like more details? Okay. So we spoke, we did our thing on stage, talked about what we talked about and then after people stopped us in the hallway with questions, trying to ask further insight and get further clarity. So this one young, great couple, they're freshly married and they're excited about life. And they was just like, man, y'all inspire us. And man, we need people like y'all around us. And, 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 and they go into their diatribe. My wife was like, you know what, baby, you take your time with them. I'm gonna go change. Cause we got a flight to catch. I mean, she left the people. <laughs> and left me there to spend time with them. So she got about her clothes and got comfortable airport attire on. And by the time all these couples talk to me, they come tapping me on the shoulder like, yo, you got to go. I didn't have time to change. So I get to the airport and we get there in time for our plane. And it's about 22 minutes to board. And then they change, they cancel the plane. Because the plane that was supposed to take us back here to Chicago on the way to Texas, a bird got in the engine and messed up the engine. So I was like, yeah, I definitely don't want to get on that one. That's cool. But now there's this delay and I am already have a bunch of work to do when, when we, whenever we get back home. And so we finally get on the plane. Now, I, I haven't changed, y'all. I have, on, I have on a turtleneck. Now, the church was cold. Don't judge me. The church was cold. And I had on a, a, a suit jacket and I didn't have time to change why because my wife abandoned me I just need y'all to get that in your spirit. <laughs> so I get on the plane. And. Um, they move slow. And while everybody's coming on the plane right the door of the plane is open to let everybody on so that means all that. 109 degree heat is coming in the plane with my suit jacket and my turtleneck and these folks moving slow so now now i'm physically uncomfortable i'm physically bothered because there's little beads of sweat right 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 below the turtleneck and they walk in slow so then, 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 as time elapsed, I'm sitting there with beads of sweat right under the turtleneck. And to my right, there's people sitting and they're talking. And they're talking loud. And they won't stop talking. And I'm hot. And the plane is not moving. And my wife left me talking to these people. So now I'm physically bothered. I'm emotionally bothered because these people over here. Keep talking. And then two rows back. There's somebody on the phone. Watching something. With no headphones. So they got the speaker on and the volume turned up. So now. I'm wondering, do they know Jesus? Are they just naturally rude? Like, why? We don't want to hear what you're watching. So now my emotions are further bothered along with my physical uncomfortableness plus my mental anguish because I have so much work to do when I get home and the plane is not moving. Just uncomfortable all the way around. You would think that all these levels of uncomfortability will cause me to just wanna get off the plane and give up on the journey. But I can't because Texas was not my destination. My destination was Chicago. And so I have to endure this uncomfortable feeling to get to the destination that's appointed for me. And such is the journey that a lot of us are on with Jesus. As your pastor, I have to tell you that the journey that you are embarking on with him is gonna involve some layers and levels of discomfort. Because whenever Jesus is trying to get you from point A to point B, he's never gonna allow it to just be smooth sailing. When he called Abraham, he told him, hey, you know, leave your family, leave your land, and go to a land that I will show you, end quote. Uncomfortable. He had to leave his family. He had to leave his surroundings, his wealth, and follow God into the unknown, uncomfortable. Gideon, he said about himself, I am the weakest member of the weakest tribe in Israel. Why are you calling me to lead a battle? And God referred to him as a mighty man of valor. He had to get uncomfortable to get to a place in God that was appointed for him you are going to have to be okay with being uncomfortable on the journey that God has you on because there is an appointed destination for you to get to and you cannot stay where you are. You have to endure the journey. I think today you all are going to be shaken a little bit by the journey that you're going to go on from the start of this message to the end of this message. I think some of you may be physically uncomfortable as we move along. I know some of y'all are going to be emotionally uncomfortable in this conversation. It may even mess with your, your mentality a bit as we open the scriptures and challenge ourselves to be honorable family members. But I wanna encourage you not to give up on the journey, not to focus on how uncomfortable you feel, but set your heart on the destination that God is trying to get you to. The fact that he's trying to progress you forward means that there's a purpose for you. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished so far. The fact that you're here, that you're listening, and that he's about to impart some wisdom to you, no matter your age, your creed, your color, means that there's more. And that's good news and that's enough you to push through the discomfort of the journey, family value, it's singular, because honor is that important. If you place honor in your family, your family becomes blessed. If you place honor in your family, you become enriched. And honor is never, ever, 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 ever about the other person. Honor is a result of the intimate relationship that you have with your heavenly father. The only way that you have the power to honor somebody that's lovable or somebody that's difficult is through a connection with God, our Father. So we're going to look at different levels of our families to see how can we place honor inside of there, to reap blessings from there. And I, every Sunday of this message, I've given one key about honor, and today's key is this: honor uh, gives you protection. When you move in honor, when you make honor a priority, God protects you. He doesn't just protect you physically, but he protects your name. He protects your reputation. Even when it looks like the walls are caving in, suddenly, suddenly, Things turn around because of the decisions and the choices and the actions that you've taken that are honorable because honorable is the currency of the kingdom. When you give honor, you reap honor. Family value. The first place that we need to look at is honoring our parents. Why do we, why do we, why do we start here? our journey in the in the in the sacred value of honor begins with an imperative directive to honor our parents the first set of instructions that we get in regards to honor is about our our parents and, and you got to see through the lens of scripture how serious this is in exodus 20 and 12 it, it says, honor your father and your mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. So you have to know that God commands us to honor our parents. Like he doesn't suggest it. What I just read to you is one of the 10 commandments, meaning that it's not optional. Now we like options because we're American. We vote based on options. We pick schools based on options. We pick careers based on options, spouses based on options. We love choices and options because we are in a, democracy. But the kingdom of God is not a democracy. When God says something, we do it. It has to be a mindset shift. Now, the question is, how bad do you want honor to be your calling card? Maybe you don't want it as bad as you need to. But we're going to keep reading scriptures to hopefully try to convince you and open your eyes to to see just how how serious honor is. There's another place in the Bible, in Leviticus, where God says, if you don't honor your mother and your father, you should be put to death. I'm trying to get you to see how serious honor is in the kingdom, not in America. How serious honor is in the kingdom of God. This instruction transcends cultures, it transcends race, it transcends socioeconomic status. The command is the command for you and I, no matter what, no matter the circumstance, no matter the storyline or the script, the narrative that we were born into, the command, not the suggestion, is to honor Your mother, honor your father. And if you do that, you'll live a long, full life. But not only does God command us to honor our parents, God promises a blessing to us if we honor our parents. So it's not just that it's a command, but he incentivizes it. By promising you, and here's the thing, God doesn't break his promises. God keeps his promises. Do you want his promises over your life? It ain't always comfortable to get it. So God promises this to us. We have the command on one hand in in Exodus But then when we flip into the New Testament, we see a very similar command with an added blessing to us. We find this in Ephesians 6 and 2 and 3. And it reiterates, honor your father and your mother, just like in Exodus. This is the first commandment though with a promise because it also says, if you honor your father and mother things will go well for you. Before I just said, we'll have long life. And it says that again, but this time there's a caveat. If you want things to go well with you, because remember that honor grants us protection. Honor is not dependent on the other person. Honor is a product of our relationship with our heavenly father. And if we obey his command, he promises that things will go well with us. Are things currently going well with you? Are you currently honoring your mother and your father? Do you realize how serious the value of honor is to your life? See, we like to give out honor to people that we like. We like to give out honor to people that we aspire to be. We like to give out honor to people that we deem lovable. The problem is that's not how Jesus did it. Because you remember that your Bible says that when you were yet sinner, And when you were a sinner, you were his enemy. So it was while you were his enemy, while you had your back turned on him, that he decided to die for you. He decided to take your punishment so that you could live. He's trying to demonstrate what honor looks like. It's not dependent on the other party. Jesus died for you because of his relationship with God the Father. And he expects you to die to yourself because of your relationship with God the Father. The word of God assures us that when we honor our parents, a path of blessings is laid before us. This is an assurance that we can keep tucked in our back pocket. Like some stuff don't have to come on us. Some stuff don't have to come against us. If we do the simple things that God us. we want to be deep so bad. We want, we want, we want miracle signs and wonders. You don't even pray every day. You don't even respect your parents but you wanna lay hands on somebody. Keep your hands to yourself until you become honorable. You're not even walking in honor, but you wanna walk in the gifts. The two, you're gonna be a warlock and a witch because your character can't handle the gift that's deposited in you. It starts with the simple thing, honoring, your mother and honoring your father. And God promises, hello, He promises, guarantee, guarantee that things will go well with you when you do so. So not only does God command us to honor our parents, and, and not only does, does God give us a promise with it, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ affirms that we should honor. Our mother and our father. This this is getting harder to opt out of. Jesus was was, was going back and forth with some some Pharisees and some Sadducees. And, you know, they was trying to trip them up and and, and trying to make it seem like their way was already solid and tight. As Jesus was trying to show them the way that they should go. And they're going back and forth. and, And the Pharisees are talking about, you know, we do this, we do that. We pay tithes, we, we fast, we follow the Sabbath. And, and Jesus, he come, combats them back. He said, you know what? Um, that sounds really cool. And you know, I'm in Mark 7 for this one. He underscores in his rebuttal back to them the importance of honoring your parents. As the Pharisees were trying to give him their resume of right doing, Jesus said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. Don't we do that? Ain't nobody gonna say amen on that. But we sidestep the word of God for our traditions too. That's why we keep trying to update the scriptures to match American culture. Cause we wanna hold on to our society's traditions and we want to try and act like this book is outdated and antiquated, but it's alive. <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. They keep trying to disprove it and they keep getting disproved. At some point, you're going to have to make a decision, culture or Christ, because Jesus ain't an American. <laughs> Jesus is not an American citizen. So he ain't really stunting your American traditions like that and your modern way of thinking. He's God. Hey, he's God. Do you think he would have created words that would have become out of date? Do you think he would have created instructions that became irrelevant? We're talking about the God that created everything. What have you created with your intelligent self? I think I'm gonna trust God, but sometimes we read about the Pharisees and we, we look down on them. And we don't realize we are them. He said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Like some, sometimes we read stuff in the Old Testament, and we, we just, that's the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. Well, the new covenant just said <laughs> you and I should honor our father and our mother. Jesus reaffirms the significance of this command. It's important to Jesus. It should be important to us. <laughs> how do we do this though? That, that's a good philosophy, but how do, we, how do we walk this out? Well, number one, express appreciation to your parents. Check on them, text them, call them, just to see how they're doing. Hey, was just thinking about you. Want to make sure you're good, need anything? Simple stuff, it don't even require oil. You didn't even have to give them the Greek or the Hebrew meaning of any of your words. You can just say, hey, how are you? I love you. Expressing intentional appreciation. Second thing, you can focus more on God's promises Instead of family problems. Because for some of us, we're, we're, we're going into our shell because of the problems that are present in our family, and it's hard to be honorable because of the problems. Every family has problems. <laughs> and if your family, if you feel like your family don't have problems, you're it. Every family has problems. Jesus' family wasn't perfect. So there's no expectation that your honor is dependent on the perfect scenario. Honor is dependent on your relationship with him. And so if you focus on the fact that God promised you that things will go well with you, if you focus that his promise is bigger than your family problem, Becomes easier to honor because it's not about that person. It's about your heavenly father. Number three, guard your words in your heart. Guard them. That just means be careful with them. Don't just say anything. (laughs) If you can't say anything, send them two heart emojis. You gotta be careful with your words because we know that words have power. And some words you can't take back, even after saying, I'm sorry, because they take root and they sting and they fester. So be careful with what you say and be careful with your motivation. Like don't just do it to do it, do it because you love God. Do it because of your affinity for your master, your savior, your redeemer. It's going to come down to your relationship with him. How is that? How is your relationship with him? Is your current prayer life transactional? Good morning, Lord. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Amen. Throwing a couple tongues. Oh. He by show do do. <laughs> but Gimme, 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 gimme. Amen. That's not a relationship. That's you every morning rubbing a bottle, hoping a genie pops out. You need a relationship with Him. Because it's through that relationship that you become empowered to do what feels impossible to do. We are commanded to honor our parents. God promises that things will go well with us when we honor our parents. Jesus affirms the significance of honoring our parents. So it's up to us to decide to trust God in the honoring of our parents. But not only should we be honoring our parents, but the second thing is we should be honoring our children. Now you just immediately thought about what they did wrong, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because we have biblical Instructions when it comes to the rearing of our children as well. Scripture paints a rich tapestry of guidance for us. And there should be not one thing that we should be trying to do in our own strength, especially raising another generation. We have a responsibility to be biblical with how we interact with our kids. And one example we can find in Ephesians six and four, it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, that's the key word. He's gonna give us an alternative of something that we should do instead. Bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So he's not saying let them do whatever they wanna do What he's saying is let the discipline that you use and the instructions that you give to them come from the Lord. Not from what your mama and daddy did to you. Because what they did to you may not have been biblical. Well, I turned out all right, well, did you? That's a decision though. Because sometimes we just jump into parenting and we just try to figure out along the way without consulting the scriptures. We, we consult family, we consult society. We look for a trend on, on TikTok. And we use that to raise the next generation of children. We're definitely not raising the next generation of believers that way. Because the only way we can raise the next generation of believers is to go to the Bible to find out how. This verse tells us that there is a responsibility for not just nurturing our kids, but guiding them. Because they're gonna be guided. Some of you are doing a great job right now sitting right next to them. It's good that you bring your kids to church. You should do that as much as you can. But I'm not in Ephesians 6 and 4. You are. I'm responsible for three. They all got my last name. Them ones sitting next to you right now, you are responsible for. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So you can't just do anything. You are supposed to discipline. We'll get there. You are supposed to instruct, but you're not supposed to do it outside of the will of God for them. Did you know that there's a will of God for your children? Hello? If there is a will of God for your children, how are they going to find out about it if you don't help guide them to it? If you don't help instruct them through it? Proverbs 22 and 6 tells us this, direct your children on the right path. King Jimmy says, train up a child in the way that they should go. What you gotta see in either translation is that it's not passive. It's active involvement. It's consistent involvement. It's you step by step with them on their journey. It says, direct your children on to the right path. Don't just tell them where the path is. Direct them on to. Last month, my wife and I, we were at a conference and it was this big, big facility and different rooms had different sessions going on. And so I was lost. I was like, where? I had the little thing. I said, okay, it says it's in room such and such, but I don't know where room such and such is. And one of the uh, volunteers there, um, he pointed to where the, where the room was, but that's not where it stopped. He walked with me yeah. the whole way there. And he didn't just walk with me the whole way there. He was talking to me the whole way there. That's what directing looks like. He didn't tell me where the room was. He didn't show me where the room was. He directed me to where I needed to get to. We can't just point our kids in the right direction. We can't just say, hey, we're going to church. That's a good start, but that's not it. You gotta walk with them. Talk with them and direct them onto the right path. That doesn't require a seminary education, it just requires a relationship with the Lord. Whatever you read that day, talk to them about it. Oh, you didn't read nothing. Whatever you learned Sunday, ask them what they learned Sunday or just share with them what God has been sharing with you. That's directing. That's guiding. That's training. And that's what God instructs us to do biblically as mothers, as fathers. How do we walk this out? Number one, active listening. Are you listening to your kids at all? Because they'll tell you some stuff if you listen. They will give you some clues of what's going on if you open up your ears and you're not just passively listening, but you're actively listening to what's going on. When you actively listen, they feel valued. Remember, this is about adding value to your family, adding honor to your family. And when you engage in these conversations with your kids, you find clues on how to direct onto the right path or redirect onto the right path or what's going on in their heart, showing them that their voice has value. If you you shut down their voice, you're gonna reap that later. Because when they need to tell you something, they feel like they can't because you spent so many years quieting their voice Instead of giving their voice volume, actively listen. Number two, encourage expression. Your kids are not you and your kids are not their sibling if they have one. Every last one of us are uniquely made and we have to encourage them to express what's inside of them. And we use that expression to again, guide them direct them and sometimes redirect them on the path. But again, if you keep shutting them down, if you keep trying to box them into this pre-described box that you have in your mind for how their life should go, you're gonna end up disconnected. Two different islands, unable to guide them onto the path that they should go. Number three, discipline with love. Discipline is biblical, but it's biblical when you do it with love. You don't do it just to do it. You don't do it just because you had a bad day. You don't do it because you don't know how to regulate your emotions. You do it as a form of love. I want you to stay inside of God's will. And this is why I'm disciplining you. This is why I'm trying to get you to think differently. This is why I'm trying to. Get you to act differently, not because of who you are to me, but because of who you are to him. This is biblical parenting. This is kingdom parenting. When the motivation for your discipline is your child's position in the kingdom, you got to think bigger than you thinking. You just tired of the school calling you. You just trying to get the school to stop calling you. You're not thinking big enough. There's a kingdom assignment on your children that you're responsible to guide them to. What is that behavior from? What's the source? What's the root? What's really going on in their heart? There's something there that we as parents have to figure out. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Like when you don't discipline, the Bible says you actually hate them, which means that converse is true. When you do discipline, that means you love them. That means you want better for them. That means you want them to be righteous. That means you want them to reach God's standard for their life. There was a, there, there was a guy, a, a really powerful prophet in the Bible by the name of Eli. I mean, he did some amazing, he trained Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in our Bible. But do you know that God judged his household forever? Like forever, ever, not because he gave a bad prophecy, not because he cheated on his wife, but God placed a judgment on his household forever because he refused to discipline his sons. His sons had blasphemed God. Eli found out about it and did not discipline him and the Lord judged his household forever. How we raise our kids matters, not just from society. From the kingdom. We are in charge of kingdom citizens. It's not just a son or a daughter. But they have the potential to positively advance God's kingdom agenda on the earth. Here's a, here's a hard one. Model humility. When the last time you told them you were sorry? Because you mess up too. You want them to be humble, but they ain't seeing you be humble. Model humility. Show them that we're human. We make mistakes. And when we do, we should apologize and exhibit humility. Make that a part of the DNA of your family. Stop acting like you ain't never been wrong. Your your children are picking up on that. That's why they can't wait to be grown, because when you're grown, you ain't never wrong. That's what they're telling themselves. That's not life. Teach them how to handle when they mess up and stop leaving it to chance. But that comes from you. This is the most important one affirm their identity in Christ. Every day, their identity is being shaped by something, by someone. You cannot let that be a roll of a dice. You can't let the people they see on YouTube and TikTok shape their identity. You can't. You cannot afford to let that happen. You have to constantly remind them of who they are Jesus. The Bible says in Psalms one thirty nine fourteen. thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Do they know that about themselves? Do they know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made? Have you shown them that scripture when they're questioning themselves, when they're questioning their worth, when they're questioning their intellect and their ability, have you reminded them what God has said about them in the Bible? We parents have to affirm their identity in Christ. So when non like identities try to show up, they know the difference between the two. They know when their enemy is trying to trick them into becoming something that they are not. But that won't happen accidentally. We, as parents, have to affirm their identity in Christ. So not only do we have to honor our parents, and not only do we have to honor our children, take a deep breath, let it out but we also have to honor our spouse. I'm gonna let it marinate for a second. Don't try to act like you need a bathroom break now. <laughs> but as we, as we delve into the sacred bond of marriage, we uncover the profound significance of honoring our spouses In all seriousness. It is significant. first thing he created after he created the world was a marriage husband and a wife, Adam and Eve. And God's word provides a treasure trove of wisdom guiding us to cherish and uplift our life partners. Remember we're kingdom citizens before we are American citizens. gonna say it one more time. We're kingdom citizens before we are American citizens. And if you look around there is a severe attack on marriages, but may I submit to you that it's not new. It's been going on since Genesis. He tried to get in the middle of the very first husband and wife. He's been doing it ever since. We have to do our part to find out what's the kingdom standards for our kingdom marriage. We can start in Ephesians 5 and 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That last part is important because people with bad theology try to use this scripture to lord abusive authority of husbands over wives <laughs> but the verse said that you're that you're that you submit as to the lord that's that's different it's not any old type of submission As to the Lord, how did the Lord do it? What did submission look like according to Jesus Christ? How did he walk this out when he was on the earth? And how does that impact how we walk this out within the context of our marriage? That means that I, as a husband, have only the authority over my wife that matches the will of God. I don't just have random authority. I don't just get to do what I want to do. I don't just get to make anybody do what I feel like making them do. It has to be as to the Lord. How do you know God's will? You talk to him. You ask him. You find out. You submit To the Lord, husband, your wife submits to your submission to him. I'm going to say it again. Husbands submit to the Lord and the wife submits to the husband's submission to the Lord. I'm only going over kingdom stuff. I'm not talking about American stuff. I'm not talking about cultural stuff. I'm talking about what's the rules in the kingdom. but that verse doesn't just stop there for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church as the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands and everything for husbands. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Here's the part you should underline. He gave up his life for her. Kingdom. Manhood. Is sacrificial. It's bloody. It's painful. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's not be deep. Jesus. How did he love the church? He loved the church to death. Are you willing to die for your bride? Like he died for his. He didn't just die for her, he was beat for her. He was talked about for her. He gave up every level of comfortability that he had for her. He was seated in heaven on his throne, got up voluntarily, came down, lived beneath his standard, and then decided to die for his bride. And you can't even pick your clothes up off the floor. I heard somebody coughing up and out, up and out. Jesus is on the cross And you can't wash the dish See y'all so busy trying to be American That you're not being kingdom They sliced his back up And beat him beyond recognition And he submitted to that for his bride. He was not a dictator to his bride. He was a servant to his bride. See the difference? Inside the kingdom, husbands don't crack the whip. They take it for the benefit of their bride. it's the difference. He took the pain so his bride would not have to. Husbands, that's what kingdom husbands do. They're willing to shoulder the pain so their wife and children can live. So their wife and children can flourish. So their wife and children can develop. They take it. Can I go further? You're not gonna like me after this one. Stop forcing your wives to get a job. No, no, I'm talking to you. Who want to guilt trip your wife to get a job. (laughs) I'm not scared of (laughs) y'all. The one piece of advice my dad gave me before I got married, just one. He says, son, whatever your wife wants to do, you support her 100%. You do your part. But don't you ever make her feel as though she has to work because God put that responsibility on you. Come on, y'all know I'm the money guy. You need to build your life so that you can sustain whatever needs to be sustained. Because your wife should have the option. Because God did not place the responsibility of providing, He told her to nurture, He told her to manage. He told you to provide. It's great if you both have careers and you're both pursuing this, that, and the other. But the kingdom responsibility is on the husband. Do I have any kingdom in here? I need you to hear me. I need you to listen with both ears. The responsibility is on us. We are to encourage, support, sacrifice for them. The responsibility is on us if we are submitted to the Lord. Because only as we are submitted to the Lord can she be submitted to us. So when you add extra pressure to her plate, to go and provide you have stepped outside of the kingdom mandate for you that doesn't mean that you can't have a conversation that you are facing economic situation and maybe both of you all need to do this or do that but the kingdom responsibility from heaven is on us. So if you need to downsize, downsize. If you need to sell stuff, sell stuff. If you need to stop eating out as much, stop eating out as much. The responsibility for provision is on us, men. Just in case this is the last time I see you. (laughs) I want you to know that the responsibility is on us. We are to support. We are to sacrifice and we are to serve our bride. And we do that by following the instructions that God has given us. And I mean that with love because we're talking about honor. And whenever you place honor inside your relationship, it comes with the protection of God. So you're worrying about stuff that you wouldn't have to worry about if you moved in honor, because when you move in honor, his protection shows up. You're worried about stuff that he is able to protect you from. If you follow his instructions, Here's what you need to know. Marital honor is mutual. It goes both ways. He doesn't just tell husbands to submit. Excuse me. He doesn't just tell wives to submit to husbands. He also encourages husbands to submit to wives. He instructs us like this in 1 Peter 3 and 7. In the same way, Husbands must give honor to your wives. You thought it was one way, but it's both ways. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Treat your wife with understanding. The only way to treat your wife with understanding is if you understand your wife. That involves studying your wife, listening to your wife, asking your wife questions, getting updates from your wife because the woman you married is not the woman you're sitting next to right now. We all evolve. We all change. We all grow and we all develop. And so that's why we have to be in the position of understanding our wives and we won't understand our wives by only asking them what's for dinner. verse goes on to say, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Did you know that she's your equal partner? That there's more verses than just wives submit to your husbands. She's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. This is most important because again, some of y'all not coming back. So listen to this. Hear this, husbands, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. If you're dishonorable to your wife, just get up off your knees. You're not, it's kind of pointless. Remember, honor provides protection, which means the opposite is true. Dishonor Takes your protection away. Treat her as you should. So your prayers won't be hindered. Are you starting to see how serious God takes honor? (laughs) In one sense, he said, if you dishonor your parents, you should be put to death. In another sense, if you dishonor your wife, don't even pray to me. I'm not listening. You're dishonorable. Somebody say, this is serious. How do we walk this out? Love as Christ loved. His love was sacrificial. We should love our spouses sacrificially putting their needs before our needs because that's what Jesus did. He didn't need to die. We needed him to die. Number two, pursue mutual respect. Embrace the mutual respect that is intrinsic in the value of honor. We're trying to make this a family value. We're trying to make this what we are about. Ephesians and 33 reiterates. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Instructions for us to live by. I'll say it again. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Husbands are supposed to Show their wives love. Wives are supposed to show their husbands respect from the kingdom perspective. Number three, communicate effectively. Proverbs 15 and one says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Oh, y'all know that verse, huh? (laughs) So when we're talking to each other, we got to communicate with grace. Like be careful. <laughs> like remember this 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 is this is your love. Even when it's ugly, even when it's bad, even when it's hurt, even when it's uncomfortable. This is your person. Extend grace when you communicate. Use your words to uplift and edify as often as possible. Not to tear down or destroy. Next, keep Jesus at the center. That's easier at the beginning. Y'all just like, really like each other. Like, this is so amazing, new life, here we are. This is so incredible. But then life starts happening, right? Careers, and kids, and in-laws, and friends. And there's a drift. There's a drift that takes place. And sometimes you focus more on work or family or friends or church more than you focus on Jesus. Put him at the center. You're going to need him. You're going to need him. If he's at the center, he becomes that magnet that draws you all back to the place that you need to be. And he reinforces the bond that he joined together. Matthew 19 and 6 says, since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Last one, forgive and reconcile. Forgive and reconcile and reconcile. Colossians 3 and 13 advises us to make allowance for each other's faults because we're going to mess up. I know you think you're perfect and they ain't. But your spouse's spouse ain't perfect either. You'll get that later. Again, that verse says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you So you must forgive others as God forgave us. Let us extend forgiveness within our marriages. So number one, we talked about honoring parents. Number two, we talked about honoring our children. And number three, we talked about honoring our spouse when we're talking about placing honor as our family value. But last thing we should probably talk about is honoring those who are difficult to honor cause we're not gonna sit here like everything's perfect and it's easy to do. <laughs> but there are some people in our family that make it really tough to honor them. You don't know what they did, how they left and abandoned me, how they rejected me, how they hurt me, how they broke my trust. How am I supposed to honor them when they are difficult to honor? Here's the hard truth, and I mean this with love and as much pastoral grace as I can give you. God placed no conditions on his command to honor. Honor is un conditional. There is no verse in the Bible that says, honor those who are honorable. It's not there. Here's something that you have to tuck away in your heart on this journey. Remember, it can get uncomfortable physically, mentally, emotionally, this journey can get uncomfortable, but there is a destination that God is trying to take you to. And it's in your best interest interest to endure the journey, even the uncomfortable parts, to get to the destination that he's trying to take you to. But keep this in your heart as you go. You're not responsible for their actions. You're not responsible for their response. You're responsible for what God commanded you to do. So don't focus on what they might say back. Don't focus on what they did. It doesn't take away, delete or erase it. But God is calling you to make a conscious effort to make your relationship with him Supersede your relationship with them. He's asking you to trust him in this. You don't need faith for easy stuff. You don't need faith for stuff that you can control. You don't need faith for stuff that your skill set can handle. You need faith for the stuff that you can't see. You need faith for the stuff that you can't understand. You need faith for the stuff that still hurts. That's when you need faith. So what do we do? How do we honor those who are difficult to honor? Number one, you need to forgive them. Forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. When you forgive and you let go, you gain freedom. You gain peace, you gain joy. When you decide, I'm not holding on to that pain anymore, forgiveness is for you. But when you forgive them, you create margin in your heart to honor them. Number two, don't badmouth them, it's another part of releasing. Let it go for your sake. Because here's the thing, bad-mouthing them isn't going to make the situation better. Bad-mouthing them isn't going to repair or restore or reconcile the relationship. It's only going to deepen the pain. Maybe in that instant you felt a little bit better because of what you said, but the relationship hasn't changed. You're still in pain. Don't bad-mouth them. Remember what God says about dishonoring parents, dishonoring spouses. He doesn't really take too kindly to dishonor. It's like the old saying goes, if you ain't got nothing good to say, say it. No, don't say it at all. Number three, love them. Love them. Remember how we're supposed to love? We're supposed to love like Jesus loved. And Jesus loved us when we did not love him. And he's telling us to do the same. He's saying, Because I did it for you, do it for them. He's saying, It's only right. He's trying to remind you of how unlovable you were. But you sanctified sanctify yourself. And he's saying, because I loved you when you were not lovable towards me, why don't you extend that same grace to them and watch what I do for you as a result? Last one, last one, last one. Maybe you struggle with the other three, but, but this one, I I think you can really do pray for them. You you ain't even got to see them with this one. You can just be at home and pray for them. Prayer always changes us. (laughs) Prayer always does something beneficial for our hearts and our lives. And I promise you, because God promises you, that if you make the concerted effort to pray for that person that's hard to honor, God will honor you as a result. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.